0: What do you do when you are suddenly navigating a life you didn't sign up for? You never saw this pain coming and you're facing a future you'd pass up if you could. Well, today's guest, Lisa Apollo, understands deeply. She's experienced the raw emotions and uncertainty that come when everything falls apart. Lisa went to bed married and woke up a widow and single mom to seven children. She wrestled with impossible questions about her future and then found life-changing answers that gave her the strength to move forward with true joy. With compassion and rich biblical insight, Lisa is going to share her story today, and she's going to help us find our footing. You know how we love that here when circumstances bring massive change. She's going to help us process hard emotions with God, who welcomes them. She's going to help us overcome paralyzing fear with three scriptural steps and anchor our faith when our hope seems threadbare. That word threadbare becomes a very important uh, Theme in her book and in our conversation today. You know, our unexpected future might feel like plan B, but she, Lisa, feels very strongly (laughs) that there's no plan B, but it's God's purposeful chapter two for you as He reshapes your shattered heart and your story. With each intentional, tender step, she says, You're not merely going to survive. No your life will be really good again. Let's welcome Lisa Apollo to the show today.
1: Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a
0: meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. And today we have Lisa Apollo, author of her brand new book, Life Can Be Good Again. And you know what? I think that's a pretty amazing title, and it's an incredible intention to be speaking these healing words over our lives right now. Life can and will be good again, Uh, putting your world back together after it all falls apart. Welcome, Lisa.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you.
0: I told everyone you're a mother of seven. Holy moly. (laughs) Uh, Give us their ages just to give a context to um, our heartlifters who are listening today. Sure.
1: So my youngest is 15 and then I have a 17 year old and then my oldest is 29. So I have them from 15 to to 29 and some grandkids sprinkled in there (gasps) nowadays.
0: No kidding. I just had my very, very first granddaughter, first grandchild. Oh, Congratulations. How many do you have?
1: So I have, Okay. I have four grandchildren and oh, I have four more on the way. <gasps> this is quite a year for us, but you know, seven children and they were all boom, 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 boom. And <laughs> they got married one after the other. And now okay. we're in this season. Lord
0: have mercy, Miss Lisa. I know. I've got one and one on the way after lots of IVFs and, and miscarriages oh, and things. So, so one, that's a lot for on yeah. the way. Okay. Yeah. Gird up. I know you got <laughs> <I> know. it. <laughs> Your story is one of being um, one of over 12.5 million people who are grieving deceased loved ones, myself, including I lost my Mm. dear mama during COVID right early on in COVID actually. So So sorry, really isolated and really Mm. just a mess. And you say that approximately five, there's five grieving people for every death. And grief is not exclusive to mourning those that we've lost. And we talk a lot about that yeah. here in the Stronger Everyday community. Uh, this season, we're really talking to moms and mental health. And I know that you have a lot to bring to the table for us concerning loss. But I, I know your story because I've had the privilege of reading your book already and uh, your notes. But would you mind sharing with our heart lifters your story? Sure. Um, so it started, I'll start 10
1: years ago, even though mm-hmm. really my story with Dan started when I was in seventh grade, if you can believe no. it. We were in seventh grade together. Oh, no, could-
0: look at your face. It's so bright right now.
1: I'm happy. <laughs> oh. He was just another boy, you know. Just a boy. Yeah. But by high school, we were really good friends and a group of good friends. And then we started dating. So he was my first date and my uh, only date. And I knew when he came to pick me up that this was the rest of my life. Um, and how did um, you know? What did
0: you know? There might be well, someone been- single out there.
1: I know we had been, we'd been good friends. So I knew mm. who he was. I had mm. seen him, you know, he was the boy I passed notes to that. I hung out, <laughs> you know, went surfing. I didn't surf, but he went oh. surfing and we would all grow as a group. I'm in Florida. Okay. Um, you know, we did youth group trips together. I mean, I had just seen him. I knew him. Mm-hmm. And so I knew we would get along. I it's knew. Beautiful. And then I think, you know, getting married so young, uh, we were 20 when we were married. Mm-hmm. I think we grew together, you know, yes. so our ver- our vision kind of merged together. Mm-hmm. Um, but fast forward and mm-hmm. it was uh summer, it was June. It was actually father's day weekend. And oh I woke up on a Friday morning to still dark to Dan's funny breathing. And I wasn't even awake enough to open my eyes, but I reached my hand over and just kind of nudged him and said, it's okay, hon. It's just a nightmare. And I Mm. fully expected that he would roll over and we would go back to sleep and wake up to his alarm in a couple hours. But as I woke up more to his continued breathing, he didn't stop, um, Mm. flipped on the overhead light and I could see immediately that something was very wrong. And this had come out of nowhere. I mean, there was no diagnosis. There was no indication, crazy, no signs. And our four-year-old at the time had crawled into the, between us. So there she lay right next to him. And I just went into crisis management mode. Like I think moms do, you know, we don't know what we'll do in these, these points of life. There are no scripts for these kinds Mm of points of life, but, um, My children, my older children were right outside my room. They had heard me cry out to him. They came in. They began to assist, you know, uh, Seth run down and get the fireman neighbor. Uh, You know, Rachel, take the little ones upstairs. Some of my boys helped me get him down and do CPR. And I was not even two rounds through when the paramedics were there. So I thought, okay, he's in good. Yeah, they were there quickly. Wow! And I thought he's in good hands. You know, I was pacing my living room outside the, the bedroom and just crying out mm-hmm. audibly for God's mercy, Lord have mercy on us Lord have mercy on us. They took him by, um, ambulance to the hospital and I followed. And it was not long after I ra- arrived there that they took me into that room. You never want to go in. I had mm-hmm. seen other families go in that counseling mm-hmm. room yeah, and come out crying. Yeah. Formidable and, room. Right. Yeah but there, a very kind ER doctor told me as gently as he could really that they had worked on Dan for over two hours and that they had not been able to revive him. Oh,
0: goodness, so that was Lisa. it. Lisa, what on earth do you do in those moments?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I had a friend there. I had had the presence of mind to call a friend and she met me at the hospital. So oh. she was the person that I literally fell apart, mm-hmm. you know, on her shoulder. That's good. Um, you know, I went back to, to, I said, can I see him? And I went back to see him one last time. Mm. And I just remember thinking, like, memorize every feature yes. of this face that you have loved forever, for all these years. I slipped off his wedding ring <gasps> and then oh. I turned to go to home, you know, to tell our kids that were waiting at home that their dad was now in heaven. Oh, my goodness
0: nothing prepares you for that. I know that you, you have shared that you were in youth group and that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm just guessing that you grew up in a household of faith and were a young woman who had been developed in the faith and in your spirituality. And yet nothing can compare prepare you for that moment. No, no. And I
1: mean, we were not made for death no, or disease or, or divorce. Yeah. Tell me why you say that. I think that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, why you say that, well, we were not made, um, I, we were created for life. Yes. And so all of these things that happen, even if they're common, even if we see it mm-hmm. all around us, like we did in 2020, yes. for you mm-hmm. in 2021, I think the reason it shocks us so much is not because we don't think that it will happen because we will all go through this. Right. Mm-hmm. But because we just really were not created for it. We were created for for life. For a good 70 years, anyway. <laughs> well, that's what we hope. That's what we yes, expect. That Something is like our that's hope. The deal we think we've made. You I know. know. <laughs>
0: yes. But I think I hear you saying that we were actually created as in pre-fall, maybe? Like we were really created for life and yes. for yes, for living this life. And certainly not um a good man, right? A good man at that young ripe age you do write that you all had had a good weekend prior to that. Um, yeah. a good, some good memories prior to that. And, um, yeah. And I, I told you before we got started on page 20, uh, you write something. I, I just want to read it because it, it really took my breath away. I'm a writer. I know a million thousand authors. <laughs> I read a lot of their writing. I, I edit a lot. So I read this, let me start on page 19. And this is from Lisa's new book. Life can be good again, heartlifters. The name of the chapter is, this is too hard. I cannot do this. Now I know right now, right now, I have heard almost every one of my own clients. I've heard myself say this, and I can guarantee you right now, somebody's saying this, I can't do this anymore. Typically I hear it, Lisa, I can't do this. I'm done. I'm done. I've had enough. Yeah. So I'm just going to read from the beginning of the chapter because it's so beautifully written. The soft chimes on my phone alarm sounded on the nightstand next to me. I opened my eyes long enough to find the phone, slide the alarm to snooze and set it back down for one blissful second. Life felt good and normal. Yeah. that First moment when you kind of, and yeah, you wake up fully in your that good zone but just as quickly the bleak reality of my life rushed in like a bad groundhog day sinking my emotions and wrenching my heart with familiar pain despair flooded in along with the dread of the day's to-do list like the day before and the day before that my list was filled from top to bottom with way more things to do than I could get done hard things far outside my comfort zone were now my daily normal And I think that as well is a very relational point for so many mamas and women post-COVID because, you know, it's still not over. There's still so much happening and this monkeypox and all this stuff. So you're right. I need to get my feet to the floor. I coached my heart. My kids need me to not just show up, but to parent well. They've lost one parent. They cannot lose another. I pulled back the blankets and willed myself to start another day. This is too hard. I cannot do this. And you say you did that for more than a year. And what arrested my heart was that I coached my heart. I've just never heard it said like that. What, what, where did you pull that, that word from?
1: You know, I think that there are situations where our natural tendency would be to curl up in a ball and pull those covers over our head and say, this is a nightmare and there's, I will never smile again and I will never feel that real joy again. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet I had seven kids waiting for me and I would say, you know, Lisa, they have lost one parent. They cannot lose another. Mm. And that was the incentive I needed to get out of bed and I did not show up perfectly. I mean, there was no expectation mm-hmm. that I would be some, be the parent I was before this. We were all grieving together. Okay. And, um, yeah. but, to, but to, but to show up, to mm-hmm. parent them, to walk with them in this, mm-hmm. to let
0: them see what it is to grieve with yeah. hope. Yeah. I have several, I have several going through that in my practice right now. Mm-hmm. One's a husband, another wife. And widowed. And it's a very hard road to navigate, which is why I'm very grateful to you for penning this book, because I'm certainly um, giving it to them as a, a book of hope. But how did you navigate that? Like, what did that look like when you say, I showed up, but I didn't show up perfectly? And how did you? walk before your seven children with honesty and authenticity. I mean, that's, that's a hard thing to find. There is no script for that.
1: No, you know, you're, you're, you're exactly spot on that. We just do it honestly and authentically. And that didn't mean that I fell apart in front of them. I Mm -hmm. did fall apart, but those were in my minivan, um, you -hmm. know, where I could just you know, let cry out. out audibly. Yes, that are all my fears. They don't need to carry that heaviness and those, mm-hmm. you know, and yet we cried together. We read books together on heaven. We we did devotions uh-huh. together as we'd always done um, that were very, you know, that met us. Because
0: um, you would have had a five year old at that time if you are youngest. Yeah, she was is actually 15. four.
1: She was actually four. So I had a four, six, all the way up. Wow. Um, tween boys, teen boys, and girls. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, the, if, you know, for a family that is grieving or you know, for a family that's, that's going through any kind of shattering loss, whether that's a, a mm-hmm. divorce that they didn't want or a yeah. chronic diagnosis that has changed life as you knew it, mm-hmm. um, even, a, even job loss or, or big moves can do this to yes. us. You know, I think to just, um, help your children, help our children, keep that conversation open so that the home is a warm place. You know, kids are all going to grieve differently, mm. Um, A lot of kids want to want everything to be normal when they're with their peer group or at school or at church, but coming home, that's the safe place. And, you know, my six-year-old, he would look like any other six-year-old during the day playing with his friends. But at night when I tucked him in, the tears Mm -hmm. came, Mm -hmm. that's when the heart was tender and open. And we really Mm -hmm. had good
0: conversations,
1: but, you know, personally too, I think as parents, we're going to have to do
0: that heart work first and most. Oh, please say that again, Lisa. I think that's, that is just what I keep pounding and pounding and pounding the table over. Just do your own heart work. Have to, we have to Why? And- tell us why you feel like that. <laughs> Cause I know why, but I want to know why you say that.
1: Yeah. We have to anchor in, mm. in the Lord. We have to anchor in God when when there's such massive change, or when there's such big emotions mm-hmm. that are just churning, when our thoughts are on overdrive, when those fears are cascading in. We have to be anchored and it's okay to cry and it's okay Mm -hmm. to have those questions, but Mm -hmm. it it is, but ultimately we have that anchor there. And for me, it looked like getting to the word every day, getting alone every day. I would kind of get my kids started. You know, I had some older ones that could be there with the littles. I'd go around the corner in my minivan. I would just cry. I would journal. I would pray that is where I did that work. And I would open the word and I would get in. I did not go hunt for scripture. Mm -hmm. I just was on a reading plan of reading through the Bible for a year. I didn't even start that until Dan died. It was actually his reading plan. And I picked up his journal and his reading plan and just started in June. And wherever I was, whether it was Leviticus or the Psalms, Mm -hmm. God would meet me on the words of that page and remind me of his character and his promises. And it was enough Mm -hmm. hope to go back in and parent my kids that day. It wasn't mm-hmm. enough for the week. I had to go back in the next day and do it again. Mm-hmm. You had
0: to get the daily man the daily portion. Yeah. Daily, daily, daily. And because you made that that's a discipline though, to me, that's a, maybe a practice that you had been disciplined in or practiced prior to this. I would think.
1: Yeah. I mean, I had done Bible studies. I would, mm-hmm. I would say I was um, kind of a fair weather Bible study girl, mm-hmm. Um, like if I was in a study, then I was doing it or if I, you know, um, but this was every day, like Uh I needed it. I needed God's word more than I needed food because I I was desperate for hope. I was Mm -hmm. desperate to unburden my heart. I was just desperate. And the Mm -hmm. only thing I needed to do, honestly, was to get along with the Lord and, let him just constantly just kind of you know wash all those emotions and those lies that come in
0: grief and these circumstances mm-hmm. with the truth. So what i hear you saying which is so powerful on a mental and emotional health level which is something that we're so committed to here is not bypassing the emotional or mental part. Now that's being called spiritual bypassing, which i'm so glad there's a name for it. You know, you didn't just say, um, well, I just need to keep going, let go, praise God, it's a hard trial. You sound like you weren't afraid to go into that, those deep, dark places of really big emotion. I mean, because this is trauma we're talking about here, oh. you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I wish I
1: had known it was trauma. I wish mm. I would tell old me that, you know, 10 years ago. Wow. Because I think it would have given me permission, even more okay. permission, mm-hmm. to understand the the hard emotions that I was feeling. I mean, despair yeah. like I'd never tasted, oh, regret, sure. um, missing that loneliness, the sadness, the physical pain. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I learned is that God. God who created us, created us with emotion, right? And you he know did. this, that, and so he invites us mm-hmm. to come to him with it because it is really too much for us to carry.
0: And I don't this- know how you did it. I mean, I do, honestly, I'm going to give you my, my spiritual answer. I know you did it by the grace of God. I know you did, you know, but on the flesh side on the the hard, you know? Yeah. And, and actually, you know, Lisa, 10 years ago, a decade ago, we're only 20 years into really having this onslaught of understanding about trauma, thanks to Bessel van der Kolk and others in that field of neuropsychology that have brought this to the forefront. So 10 years ago, particularly within side of the, the Christian faith, you know, cause it's still not really being um, spoken about too much, you know, we're trying to integrate faith and mental health, but yeah. So how do you think that might, is it just that it would have given you permission to like, Oh, wow. This is really, this really is a lot bigger than me. (laughs) Like, yeah.
1: I, you know, I remember sitting down the first time with my kids all on couches and pillows around the living room after the memorial service, after everybody had gone home and the house had quieted. And I remember saying, this is not normal. And I've quite like, why did I say that? Of course Mm -hmm. it's not normal, but I think I needed to tell my children. I think that's what I was saying. Yeah. You You were normalizing it through a trauma. And I was, what I went on to say was that we're going to have to give ourselves a lot of grace. We are all going to grieve differently. I was so grief naive, but I did know that. No,
0: But that's amazing that you would even have that. It just says, (laughs) (gasps) I'm going to assume that you and Dan perhaps had very good, strong, secure childhoods. Not perfect. Not, you know. Yeah, we did. Secure attachments, where I'm going with that, and heart lifters, you knew I would get there. But when secure attachments in place, when you perceive that as a child, you know you have a little more anchoring. In in a season of tumult like that, your lamenting season, as this was for you, I mean, it's still overwhelming, but there is a little bit more access to strength and security. I think would that be yeah. fair to say? Well, it that
1: is true. As you described that we both did have intact families and, you know, um, strong faith families that brought us, you know, we were active in the church. Um, not perfect by any no, means, never, never. um, but that's so, even as you'd say that I'm thinking of my own parenting and my own children's childhood that I wish was different hmm. and how we can still give them that security, you know, even when life just upends and loss. Yeah
0: you're, you're saying you wish this hadn't happened. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. their childhood. Yeah. yeah. But I have no doubt in my mind that they have secure attachment. I mean, they all had enough and you to be able to sit in the midst of that after a memorial service, probably a house full of people bringing food and all of those things to be able to sit as the mom and go, listen, guys, this is just too much. It's too big. This isn't normal. This doesn't normally happen. So we're going to, wow. Yeah. And I think too, for anybody who's going
1: through that and saying, you know, I, this is not the childhood I wanted for my children. This is not the way I wanted my family to look. Mm -hmm. I, it's just a place of surrender because God knew that this would happen. Mm -hmm. And so God, what I have seen 10 years out is that God can do things in our children through grief, through loss, through that emptying, um, through hardship and trial that he cannot really teach as clearly and as quickly on the sunny days. So, you know, hearts oh, no. of compassion, exactly. yeah. hearts of understanding to know that God isn't just some God on the page of the word, but that he is real and practical mm-hmm. and he shows up as tennis shoes when you're playing basketball or <laughs> And new to us car sitting in the driveway.
0: Oh, yay, God.
1: Or just that moment by
0: moment by moment grace. Yeah, we haven't even we haven't even mentioned the fact that was Dan the primary breadwinner, or were you co-partnering in that uh or yeah, all the financial end of that whole thing?
1: Yeah. Were you homeschooling or did
0: the kids go to school?
1: We were a single income family. I was homeschooling. So I had been an attorney. I had worked. Oh, And wow. we were a two income family. And by this point, I was in the home. And I thought, well, this is how it will always be. In fact, I had retired from law. Wow. Um, but so we were a single income family. And those fears of how in the world are you going to bring us through this? There was some safety net there mm-hmm. um, that yeah. we had. But long term, and thinking about putting my kids through college sure. and all of those things of raising. Weddings, seven, all these things. Oh yes. <laughs> and you know, there was a fear I had to really battle because fear was really a vice grip for me. And I mm-hmm. was parenting out of fear. I wasn't able to make decisions because of fear.
0: Yes. And
1: one day a friend of her coffee um, gave me the verse second Corinthians 10 five, that says that to take every thought captive to the truth of Christ. Yeah. And so I began to powerful. put that into practice and mm-hmm. I would uh, go through this process of one of that fear would come. And at the beginning, it was a lot, uh, like the fear of our finances, our financial yeah. future. Um, mm-hmm. I would call out the lie underneath it. And the lie is that God wouldn't take care of us in this new season or new phase. Wow! And then I would take a captive. I would just imagine it really lassoed and just tanked, taken out of my thoughts and then wow. replaced mm-hmm. with the truth of Christ, which is mm-hmm. that God is a provider. That's it's his character right. and His promise. You know, yeah. that he says, yes, that I will supply all I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. And he had he done that as that. a two-income family, he had done that as a one-income family, and now he would do that for us. Wow.
0: And he has. Wow. I just I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for telling us your story, Lisa, because I just know that this is resonating on so many in, in so many different uh, ways with different circumstances, I, it's resonating to me. You know, he is Jehovah Jireh. Yeah. He will provide all that we need. You know, that word all is so powerful and it's a powerful study to do in the word to, to study all the time that says all A-L-L. You also share, um, well, okay, I have two thoughts, two thoughts. One is, was it a practice in your home with Dan, for you all to gather together on the couches with pillows and, and have family time. Was it a family practice to eat meals together? I mean, you've got seven kids. It's such vast ranges. I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, car time, practice times, all those kind of things, but was that a regular practice? And I'm asking that because I'm wondering if that wasn't some of that super glue that perhaps served as a hold fast, uh, during this time of, of such crisis. Yes. And I am remembering a story
1: um, that is not in the book. Um, mm. And yeah, we had regular meals together and we did have regular devotion times, but I, we, Dan wasn't a part of it. He got up really early mm-hmm. and was at work super early. If I had waited for him, I'm not sure you know, how yeah. many times we would have gathered and so, somebody would have
0: been asleep or, yeah. Yes.
1: So it was how we started our homeschool day, honestly. Okay. And, um, that's how we fit it in. And so Perfect. from the time that my, I started with my oldest ones, you know, they were in school for a little while and then we came home. Um, we just did it as that was like eight o'clock every morning. That's how we started. Yeah. And I found that, that, that all of those times, no matter how a family does it, it's like a deposit in your faith bank it is. and you will need an emergency deposit at mm-hmm. some point for some reason. And so to have that de- everyday deposit that you're mm-hmm. making, but you know, one of the things that happened right before Dan passed away, my oldest son was actually at, at camp. He was a counselor at camp. So he actually wasn't even home oh, no. when all this happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing he was going to go off to camp for the summer as a counselor, we were very intentional. He came home from college. We had like a week and a half, two weeks before he went off for the summer. And we were very intentional with that time as a family. Oh, I remember, especially one day, wow. we had this like end of school family day that we always Aww. did. We'd kind of like call out in each child what they had done that year and what we had seen the character we'd seen them grow in and um, just spend the day, you know, celebrating oh, school okay. assembly.
0: Yeah, school yeah, day. Right. <laughs>
1: So we had this day where he had a bunch of buddies also home from college girls and guys, and he wanted, they were getting together and he kept asking us, can I go out with them? Can I go with them? And we made one of those hard parenting oh. decisions. And we said, no, wow. we talked that we were very tempted That's to a let tough him go. One. Yeah. We said, no, this is a family day. You can go after, but this is our time. And were we not all so grateful? I mean, that was a gift for my son,
0: mm-hmm. and he oh, had, yes. he came
1: back very quickly and said, "Mom, if you had uh, let me go with my friends and I had missed that time with Ooh. Dad, I would have been forever feeling guilty." Yes, over that survivor choice. guilt,
0: right? For yeah. sure. Oh, you goodness. know, and not
1: that we never let our kids, but I just think to prioritize yeah. time mm-hmm. with our family and to put some
0: guardrails around that is, is good. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think it's imperative and it's really something that I'm getting the older I get, you know, my oldest, they're all flipping next week. They 36 and have twins 30 going to be 32. And, um, I just think I hear so many times how families are so scattered and running to small groups and life groups. And I love all of that. And I think it's so critically important. I love church. I love the body of Christ. I love it all, but I think that there's something different in the air anymore. And that we're all so, you know, even through the isolation, everyone was, you know, distracted that is there a call coming back to all of us for more of that practice and that discipline, you know, of, meeting together on the couches with pillows and maybe they're doing somersaults or look like they could care less or, you know, but having at least one meal together or, you know, something that is grounding us. You know, I love that paragraph on page 20, where you said you had to put your feet on the floor. You know, that's, that's a grounding practice. That's a, okay, woman, (laughs) you know, come on. I don't know. Do you, do you think I'm off base here? Do you think I'm like a little off? I'm just so curious to know if we, if we should be heralding this message on a, on a broader scale, like gather together families yeah, have more of those moments where no, we're going to spend today together. Yeah. We need to know each
1: other for sure. And, you know, after Dan passed away, I mean, um, life was fractured in so many ways. And mm-hmm, I'm uh, sure. I found myself not that first. Well, yes. I think that first year I began to very intentionally kind of rebuild our family.
0: Oh, and that might that sound, look like, mm.
1: well, you know, just intentionally doing things. I mean, um, intentional time together, intentional. So my, some of my boys love football and on Monday nights, we would do Monday night football. Oh, that's awesome. And You're amazing. So Yay,
0: Lisa.
1: I, you know, so it looks different for every So
0: proud of you, girl. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm so proud of
1: you. But yeah, just putting into place, doing that, those things where we intentionally rebuild
0: our family. Yeah, I think it just makes me want to weep, actually. And just on behalf of these couple of clients that I have, I wonder if, you know, if, if, uh, others outside the home, like in-laws or whatever are, are really, did you have to find a time to just protect during this rebuilding? Like we've got to find out who we are now as just mom in the house with seven kids, like pull in a little closer for a little while in order to find our footing and put our feet on the ground. Yeah.
1: I think there was a little bit of both. Okay. Um, So, like I said, my tweens and teens really wanted to go back to life as normal. Gotcha. And um, so they wanted to go back to church really, er, really quickly. However, like one of them had been an avid basketball player, and he, when the season came around, so so Dan died in June. You know, when basketball season Mm -hmm. came around in September, Octoberish. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. He didn't want to try out, and I was like, he was a junior and I was like, Do oh. you push him in this. Do I let him like, what's, you know, as a mom, you're trying to sense what's going on. Mm. Um, in the end, I let him not try out because a friend had counseled me, you know, he's, Gone through something yeah. so hard and he needed to pull back. Yes. He just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. The next year he went back as a senior. Oh, wow. So, you mm-hmm. know, there are times to tuck in and there are times to say, we're going to still do what we always did. We're going to still go to church on Wednesday nights or mm-hmm. we're still going to. Um, get together with families or we're still going to do, you know, there, you know, you, you have to sense it as a family, what is going to be most healthy? What's going to help your family? How are you? Sometimes it comes down to what am I feeling today? You know?
0: Yes. The second, right.
1: (laughs) Because it may look great on the calendar, you know, two weeks from now. And then you come to that day and something is triggered and you're like, (sighs) woof. I'm yeah. exhausted and I need to just
0: um mm-hmm. yeah I need to just process this. Yeah. Uh before we move on to you cuz I really want to find out I know my heart lifters are going to want to know how to heart lift you and how to pray for you and how to and how you're doing right now but you you write about something like um you call it threadbare threadbare hope. You use some words in here that I just love so much Lisa they're very well positioned. And they're descriptive in a way that there would be no other word. So threadbare, what does it mean to have threadbare hope to you?
1: Yeah, I think those moments were where I, I wouldn't say I lost hope, but it was so thin. I Mm. definitely couldn't feel it emotionally or sense it. And I really needed to reach out to somebody else and say, pray me through this. Like, like, let, like, let me borrow your hope today. Oh,
0: I love that. Oh my goodness.
1: And you know, sometimes we can do that in the word. I mean, that's often how we do it, right? That was my daily practice to go to the word. but sometimes we just need somebody with flesh and bones who's Mm -hmm. either steps ahead of us, who's walked this journey or can walk it with us and say, let me just come in and pray over you today and walk with you Mm -hmm. in this.
0: Is that why you started the Facebook group?
1: It absolutely is.
0: Absolutely.
1: mm, That's why I wrote the book. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, because I just desperately wanted to know somebody who had, um, walked through something like this and was a few steps ahead and could Mm -hmm. be that flesh and bones. I knew cerebrally that God would be faithful. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. We always say this is the longest
0: journey from head to heart. Like we have it here, man. It's It's there, you know, the longer you walk and you, you borrow God's strength and his word and you eat it. Of course it's all here, but put me in a crisis and this is the longest journey of all. Yes, (laughs) Yes.
1: exactly. And we, and so, so to see somebody who has walked it and can say, this is the way, let me, let me reach back and take your hand. Mm. And I can't grieve for you and I can't carry this pain for you,
0: Mm -hmm. but I
1: can. I can, you know, sometimes there's comfort just in knowing what we are going through is is experienced, is commonly experienced. There's a a yeah. large, uh, you know, a great comfort just in that. But to say, walk with me in this, and this is the way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. and ta- to the Facebook group, you know, we have women joining every day, every week, okay. who are just in that shock. stage of shock and yeah. reeling. How am I? How are you? Um, but then we have some who are farther ahead and even to watch them turn mm. around and comfort, you know, these new widows that never wanted to be in this club, this, this group, this Facebook group, they never thought they'd be part of.
0: Yeah. I had a heart with the, with the, the husband the other day, he couldn't even say i widowed. Yeah. You know, he's like, you know, I'm just a single dad. I'm like, no, you're not really a single dad. I mean, you really aren't. Let's think about what you really are. He's like, ah, I'm a widow. Like, yeah, you are. You know, that puts a lot more understanding in it to me. I don't yeah. know. Um, I will make sure everyone can connect with that Facebook group, Lisa, and uh, connect with you as well. But as we close, how can, well, first I wanted to ask because I said I was going to ask you and you said it was okay. How are you? And uh, it's been a, a decade. So, where are you on your journey? Have you remarried? Are you still single? Widowed? So
1: I, yes, I am still a single mom and widowed. I have not remarried. Wow! And um, as we were talking before we started here, I think if you had told me that 10 years ago, I would have been very upset mm. because I thought that that was the answer. I wanted to be married. And, you know, I had not I had not. I had enjoyed marriage.
0: You've been and married I, most of your life, in a yeah, sense. I mean, I had saw myself growing him.
1: old, married, and so yes. um, I would people would give me books, and I would turn to the end, and I would say, you know, to see if she's remarried. I would not start at the first page. I would wanted <laughs> to see whether this widow was remarried or not. That did makes her such sense? Yeah. Did she have a happy ending? That's what I was yes. really wanting to know. And so that too has been really, um, some work that I've had to do in my heart to say that I have to be Mm. completely satisfied right now with what God has given me in this chapter and in this life, whether he ever brings anybody else to me and that's not one and done. That is, you know, it crops up at various times, but to say, Lord, you, this is the life you have given me. And I'm Mm -hmm. open to what you have and I can pray for it. it's a godly prayer request, but Mm -hmm. I cannot set my hope on that. That would Mm. be setting my hope on something that is out of my control really, and that you might not have for me. And so I have got to find my satisfaction in you alone. And that, that Mm. is a good thing when life empties to the point that we have no choice, but to say, if nothing else comes, I am satisfied in you alone. I mean, that's where he that's where he wants us.
0: It is. And no matter what circumstance it is, that is the, the end. FB Meyer used to say, you know, when we get to the end of ourselves, we get to the beginning of God. Yeah, And I've always held close to that. You know, it's like, yeah, we just have to get to the end of ourselves in that way. Um, So no dating, no, none of that.
1: I haven't. So wow, I've lots of opportunities. Okay, I had, I've talked to people, you know, but mm-hmm. I mean, part of that is honestly, at the beginning, I was just trying to, to oh, yes. you know, I am get sure. my kids through yes. seven children. I mean, then life opened up a little bit and I was like, okay, there's, there's a big mm. world out there, yeah. you know, and <laughs> passions returned and interests. And, oh, okay. You know, that's good. um, yeah, we'll you're see. so lovely.
0: We'll okay. What, what about, got- um, your law degree or are you just continuing to pursue, These, these new opportunities that have come through this tragedy, actually.
1: Yeah. Three years into my grief, I thought, okay, Lisa, time to get that law degree back out, you know, polish it off and Mm -hmm. you can do this for your family. And that was my, my expectation. And I studied for the bar exam again. I was like, Oh, this is all coming back to me. I love it. Um, But God was calling me to write. Okay. And so all I can tell you is it was wrestling season and mm-hmm. I finally just laid down on my carpet and said, I, I don't know what you're doing. This feels very risky, but I will follow you in this. And so life has been much more, I mean, this has been a season of ministry and writing yes. and
0: speaking
1: and mm-hmm. co- coffee,
0: you know, with other women. Good. Cause that is certainly, I think the most powerful ministry of all is, is sharing, sharing a story sharing your story and sharing how you, how you walked through the light and the dark. And I'm so grateful to you leave us with just leave us with a heartlifting few words for someone who may be trying to find their smile, because that's your last word in the book, finding your smile again. And I write about that in my, in my last book too, how to find your smile again. And I just, I think it's so powerful.
1: Yeah, it is. So, if you were in that place where you're, you were thinking, I just cannot imagine waking up again with a smile on my face or excited about the day because life has imploded in a way I never saw coming. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, I think in my second year of grief, not even the first year where I was just in my minivan again, alone with God. Mm -hmm. And I just said, I don't like my life. And Ah. on the heels of that thought came this, that while I never saw this coming, God did and that he had allowed it, and so I was not consigned to live out the leftovers of the life that I wanted. You know, I thought, okay, well, I will just make the most of this, the second best life, yeah, because my first that. best I life love is that. gone. Yeah, like this but isn't Plan know, B.
0: Yes, God
1: never does a Plan B. He does not oh, give us. Love that. I really love
0: that, and I, I haven't heard that said either. So that's yes
1: that if God has allowed it, it may be unexpected for us. And it may be even painful to walk through. And mm-hmm. yet if we will do the hard work of grief and processing the hard emotions, we will see that it is filled with as much abundance and goodness and joy as the other days that came before. And mm-hmm. that, you know, that didn't immediately change everything. It didn't mm-hmm. immediately say, okay, well I it's feel like, all better oh. now, right. But it gay it realigned me to the truth that mm. I was not going to have to live out this plan B, this, mm-hmm. this second best. And that I, if I would do the hard work that I would find that I would wake up with new dreams and new hopes and that I would feel good again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what we all want, not to just survive, no, but to, no. Mm-hmm. but to flourish again, to flourish, find yeah. that life is full mm-hmm. and, and it lives side by side with the, with the missing, the wishing that life could have been different and yet this is what you have and
0: it is good and it is full. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We say all the time holding joy in one hand and sorrow in the others yes. In the other, you cannot have one without the other, you know, they have, they have to coincide and that's what you're saying to us today. So heartlifter, life can be good again. Life can be good again, even in these overwhelming situations uh, where you feel like, uh, you know, you just can't get out of bed, but Lisa, you have given us some very strong encouragement and practices. The first being I'm going to begin it again is getting out of bed and putting my feet on the floor and saying, I I say this every day because a, a 93 year old woman in my, one of my old Bible studies said, you just have to get up every day and say, this is the day the Lord has made God you're in it, you know? So May that be what we all do tomorrow morning when we realize weeping can endure for a night, but joy can come in the morning and we can smile again. Lisa, many blessings, many, many blessings on you and your family. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a great conversation and I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here.
1: For even more great content and resources, Please join the Stronger Everyday online community at janellereardon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity.